Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. All right, let's pray and we'll get right into this. We'll get into our, uh, what did Mike say? The beatings will commence until morale improves. (laughs) You know, there's really nothing uh, better than spiritual growth. I mean, being saved is phenomenal, but if you grow spiritually and develop, it won't get rid of your problems, but it'll make you strong enough to walk through and have victory. So, And that's what the Lord's after. Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for uh, our church, for what you're doing. Lord, we give you the glory for everything you're doing. Thank you, Father, for the anointings that you've placed in this place, Lord, the calls, the giftings, Lord, those that are um, called to helps and all other ministry aspects, whether it be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, or evangelists. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts that are uh, on the worship teams. Lord, thank you for those that serve in children's ministry and all those areas, Father, that um, maybe aren't as seen, but we know you see them, and that's what we're counting on. And that's where our faith is. And we do everything we do, Lord, for you, not for man. Father, we set aside our personal, uh, carnal, natural preferences. And we work together in the love of God for the advancement of your kingdom. And so we thank you for that. Father, I ask you for utterance today. Uh, Reveal to us truth, Holy Spirit. Help us. Show us things as we apply them. We know we'll be blessed in everything that we do in the word of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless, which are two good things to be, unblameable and harmless. (laughs) Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So that's part of our witness. Um, Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run or labored in vain. I love the way Paul kind of adds that in at the end. Um, that uh, he says, look, I got something riding on this deal too. You know, a lot of times people don't think about that because we do, we tend to. How many of you notice that just in general, humanity is selfish? You know, and uh, that's, a, that's a huge problem in the world. We understand it. We should understand it because they're not born again. In the church, it's supposed to go away. It's supposed to slowly, if not, I guess we'd probably prefer speedily die, <laughs> you know, in our lives. According to the scriptures, we're to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And we know in Galatians 5, one of the desires of the flesh is called selfish ambitions. Selfish ambitions. And in America and in the American church, especially today because of all the wonderful self-centered preaching we've had, and I've preached some of it. <laughs> you know, the, the, the blessings of God have turned into entitlements um, that we get whether we act like an adult or not. And that's not how God operates. He doesn't operate that. Now, now we can do a lot of things in our own strength um, and cause things to happen and call it the blessing of God. 
but it isn't necessarily the blessing of God. It's just we, we heap stuff up to ourselves. So that's something we got to watch out for. And then the other side of it is because you can take it to the other extreme where people have gone to God doesn't want us to have anything at all. But we have to fight for balance at all times. And we're going to, you're not, it's that fight. So you should, I, it used to bother me. I'm like, Lord, just, let's just do this, this way. And then and he said, no, this is your opportunity to, uh, to exercise your faith, to please me and to worship me, to follow the leading of the spirit and to develop spiritually to where every day we're walking with the Lord and uh, living in fellowship. As Paul said in Galatians 5, if you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, and so uh, I think uh, Mike had shared it maybe a year or more ago, but he talked about in one of his giving messages, he had money given to him or earned some extra money, whatever it was, and, and the Lord would tell him what to do with each of it, and at one point told him to buy a gun, I think. No, the Lord would never do that. <laughs> See, now here's the thing. What's the motivation? That's what it boils down to. Shane's right. The Lord would tell you to buy a gun, a new gun, a nice gun. He doesn't care. God does not look down and go, oh, look at the price of that shotgun. He's sitting on a throne. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's all these things that we get to be led in, right? So... Um, you know, we, we are always going to, as long as the Lord's not here yet, Maranatha, right? Come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> um, and, or we're not there yet, we get the tension of the fight of faith here. Always. Every day you wake up. You know, have you ever woke up and thought, maybe there'll be nothing I have to deal with today? Now, no parent with kids has ever thought that. You know, <laughs> but, but, you know, maybe the, don't even let that go. Just wake up and go, I'm going to win today with the Lord and be led by the Spirit. And if you do that, you'll, you'll eliminate uh, your, your natural desires that end up getting frustrated because it didn't go the way your flesh wanted it to go. When in all reality, as disciples of the Lord, and this is what we're growing in, I'm growing in this, and um, so you learn... How many have been biting their tongue more when it comes to complaining and disputing? So this, what's wonderful about this is sometimes, I, and I've done this, I, I've, at times you don't want to preach on scriptures like this because it's just really not the most exciting thing people want to hear about. If you want people to get quiet, start talking about what they're supposed to do or their marriage or their money or their kids, or whatever, you know what I mean? Just start hitting all the scriptures that strike a nerve. But the reality is, every good, any good parent, pastor, or trainer will push you to do another rep, even though it hurts. And the only thing that hurts when you're going to the Word, and you have a disagreement, is just your flesh anyway. So you, what, what we have to do as as believers, as those that are hearing, and if you're hearing a minister, if you're hearing a pastor, if you're hearing a teacher or whatever in an area, and they're giving you the word, or me the word, and there's something in me that says, I don't know if I like this or agree with it. You, if it's the word, you better agree with it. 
Now, there are principles, obviously, that you apply that, that keep that word within context. I mean, you, scriptures get twisted. How many have known know that? People say or, or teach things that are not biblically accurate contextually to the Bible, to the chapter, whatever it is. But in general, I mean, it's pretty tough to uh, screw up, do all things without complaining and disputing. I mean, Paul could have been like, do some things without complaining, but it's okay to complain on this over here. If the wrong president is in office, I can complain. (laughs) Raymond used to say to us, if you didn't vote, you can't complain. (laughs) Really, you can't complain. Period. Now, that's, this has to do with a heart attitude as well, and we talked about this, because complaining means murmuring, grudging, grumbling, secret debate, secret displeasure, not openly avowed to mutter, a secret debate among uh, people. It means displeasure or complaining in private rather than in public. Um, Mutter means uh, a complaint uttered in a low, indistinct sound. Grumbling means continuous, full, and low-pitched throbbing sound. These are neat definitions. We are to do all things without complaining and avoid discontentment and dissension. Murmurings, which is the same word, um, is a onomatopoetic, and it's a word in which the sound resembles its meaning. So it's the and there's a lot of these in the Greek. It's kind of interesting, but if you start looking into some of the how the Greek is structured and stuff, but um, it refers to a mumbling. Uh, an undertone mumbling and is constantly used uh, for the prolific murmuring of the Israelites in the wilderness when they journeyed from Egypt to Canaan. Do you know I, was, I read Exodus 14 this morning because the Lord's had me on the Red Sea and with some of the stuff that's going on in the nation, different things he's been talking to me about. But do you know it wasn't long till they got to the waters of Marah and they were already complaining after they just got done rejoicing? And that's exactly how Pentecostals are. <laughs> if they have if we haven't developed in the word like we should so it it almost nullifies your rejoicing if you're going to complain you know are there you know and it, and it happened all the way through and the the thing that the lord wanted to happen was spiritual maturity in those believers in his children the israelites but i mean they 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 were so quick even before the red sea was split if you read in there They look at Moses and go, what, there weren't enough graves in Egypt? If I was Moses, I'd be like, no, but there's some here. Start digging. Let's take them out. After we got all these miracles take place, at one point in this, if you read through the the signs and wonders that took place in Egypt, Egypt was completely dark except for where all the Jews lived. There was light. You You could cut it with a knife. If you look at the the signs and wonders, God is like showing off big time. And in the midst of that, people still, people, and we do this as humans like to do this. They like to come up with excuses why they can't believe, but there are none. If God demands faith of you, everybody can have it. Otherwise, he's unjust. He's not unjust. Why don't, you know, let the beatings commence, right? Right? 
But see, here's the thing. I want to get, I want to please the Lord, so I've got to look at me and go, okay, Lord, where am I missing it here? How many of you do this in your devotion time? You're reading, you're fellowshipping with the Lord, or just in your relationship with the Lord, the Lord deals with me about something. I'm like, oh. And then he helps me. But it's like, you know, have you ever done this? Lord, I did it again. <laughs> Okay, Now, in our mind, we did it again. In his mind, he forgot the other time. Because it's already under the blood, if you ask for forgiveness. Now, if you didn't ask for forgiveness, well, you might want to get to that <laughs> and, and get it under the blood, amen? But so we're growing, we're developing, and part of that is, you know, it's that process of, I think I was sharing this at the prayer group last week, but... Um, of weightlifting. For the first two years I was a youth pastor, I had to use my faith to breathe every day. I felt, it felt like oppression was on me every day that I, I had to fight to go to work. I'm talking about I'm in, I'm doing ministry. But I did not want to be a youth pastor. But I figured something out about the Lord. He doesn't care what I think. <laughs> He actually thinks he's God. <laughs> he's like, Sean, I own you front to back. I made you. This is a side of God that a lot of people don't want to talk about. They just don't. And you say, you could reject him. I could, but you know how bad it hurts? No thanks. I'd rather be uncomfortable all the way, my flesh uncomfortable all the way through this life and obey him than not. So what happened was, for two years, and I can almost tell you the day I walked to the church, or I was walking in the front doors of the church, and the weight was gone, and I went, oh my goodness, it's gone. And it's not that the weight was gone, it's that I lifted that weight in faith for two years, and how many know your bench goes up? Eventually, I just went and threw it. And then you know what happens? It's wonderful. You go to another level, and the weight gets heavier. <laughs> but you're getting stronger and stronger. Come on, after a lion and a bear, then there's Goliath. And, and if that isn't enough, then the king over you will try to kill you. That's what happened to David, right? Then you get to dodge spears. We were like, just take me home, Jesus. He's like, I put enough in you for you to be able to win where you're at. Please me with what I gave you. Amen? So we have the power not to grumble. All right, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 10. And we'll, it, uh, verse 1 says this, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, verse 2. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. I love that. What a powerful revelation. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, here's the thing you need to understand about the Hebrew, okay, the Old Testament. There's a permissive and a causative tense in Hebrew. So God, God is not the author of death. God's the author of life. But what happens is 
and, and people say, have you ever read Deuteronomy, is it 28, where it declares the blessings and the curses? And it talks about, God says, it, it says in there that God will bring all these curses on you. Well, we know from James that God doesn't have sin or death or curses. He doesn't have any to give. So how's the, because every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. The scripture says in James, when you're tempted with evil, don't say I'm tempted of who? God, because he doesn't have any to give, right? So curses, what are the curses? So how do you re resolve that? It's, it, you have to understand it in the permissive sense. So the snakes that attacked Israel, they were around them the entire time. It's just their complaining and disobedience caused God's hand to go, I can't protect because we're not within covenant here. You're not obeying. So then what happens? The protection lifts, and then what comes in? The enemy comes in. If you really want to understand Job, think about it, that book, that way. If you really want to understand Job, think about that book in that context. That God will, how many know God will permit what we permit? He gives us what we desire. How many times, if you read through the Old Testament, if you, when you, as you're reading through it, don't just think, oh, God just had a personality shift. But read the context of what took place. You will always find that God's judgments, in other words, when the enemy was able to come in and take over, it was because there was a decision by the people that they didn't want God. Always. Always. If Job is just some random torture of a human, why did he have to repent at the end of the book? Why? If it was some, if God, how can you even, when it comes to the faithfulness of God and you're believing God in his promises, how can you really have trust in, would you put trust in your spouse if they were as random as some people say God is? I think he's a little better than we are. I challenge you, look at it, think about it, pray about it. Because you, you, you can't just, I mean, if we're, if we're, commanded to believe in God. We, we better have some substance to stand on in his character that allows us to be steady. Otherwise, right? Because most people, most even believers, most believers believe God's out there somewhere. He put us all here. He gave the world a spin and he doesn't care. Now I'm talking about Christians. Because they've been taught things about God that are not true. It's not his nature. People say, well, what is his nature? I like what Bill Johnson says. Jesus is perfect theology. <laughs> if you've seen me. I didn't see Jesus hand out boils. Some boils for you. Some boils for you. Why, Lord? You don't need to understand. Just submit to the will of the Lord. All right. Verse 6. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things. Verse 7, and not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality. Can I ask you something? Is there an overabundance of eating, drinking, and playing and sexual immorality in the church today? Oh my goodness. And, and God is not saying he doesn't want you to have any fun. 
He's not saying, he's not telling you not to eat either. (laughs) What is it? It's a matter of, is God first? What if the Lord says to you, don't eat this meal? Fast this meal. And so it's a matter of yielding to the Lord and his leadership. And it says, nor let us commit, sec- verse eight, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some uh, of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Um, verse 10, nor complain as some of them complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. And this is where we left off last week. And... Um, We see here that complaining, it's interesting to me because it's tied in with idolatry, sexual immorality, eating, drinking, and playing. Okay, so let me explain, uh, let me, let me explain something to you, and I believe this will help you understand a few things. In 1 Corinthians, or the Corinthian church, and also in Ephesians, now this was in more than one place, but when Paul went and ministered in these places, they already had religions established. And in these places, all the gods that these people worshipped fulfilled the desires of their flesh. Does that make sense? So that's why Paul's using this example with the Corinthians. These are desires of the flesh. Your flesh desires, my flesh desires to complain. Your flesh, my flesh desires sexual immorality. People say, oh no, I'm sanctified beyond that. (laughs) Oh no, you're not. I don't care who you are. You're not. If God says that's the nature of your flesh, it is. Okay? And people live in, you know, they live in uh, delusion about certain things. Now, that desire in your flesh may not be as strong as other desires. Because notice he puts in their idolatry, eating, drinking, playing, complaining. I mean, we could go down the list. I mean, Paul goes through it in Galatians 5, and at the end of it, he says, and the like. So in other words, he puts the dot, 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 dot at the end of the sentence. In other words, this could go on for how long? So when it comes to these things, my flesh, your flesh is like this. We have to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh, which means we live by the grace that is placed within us, the power of the Holy Spirit that is placed within us. By faith, we put to death the deeds of of the body, which means, you know, a lot of times when people think of uh, uh, sins of the flesh, they think, or even lusts, they think of sexual sins only. But actually, Brother Hagin said this, the worst member of your and my body is our tongue. It is the most unruly, which is interesting because how much does God talk about faith related to speech? That's how you get born again. The power of life and death in the tongue literally you confess jesus as lord and it takes you out of death into life and but that principle works along the same way so what do we do as as people who believe we're not cessationists we don't believe god died with the apostles okay I say, what do you mean by that? We believe God still does everything he always did. He's still a miracle worker. He's still a, a, a baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's still all of those things. We believe he still is who he is. We don't believe that he, he was like, well, the book's written, no more miracles. So if we believe for those things, 
And this is a principle, and I'm not going to, I haven't studied this fully out, but I think you'll see what I'm saying when I say this. The stronger the glory, the less flesh needs to be present. Ananias and Sapphira. In other words, the Lord grows the church up so you can handle more power. More power is not automatic. You know, it'd be, I think the nature of the flesh would be like, yeah, I wish it was that way. But the thing is, the greater the power, the greater the manifestation of God, the greater the responsibility. So, in the natural, now think of it like this. So this is why complaining has to go out the door, right? In the natural, with your kids, you don't give your kids everything they ask for at four. And, and I'll say this. You don't give your kids everything they ask for at 16 if they haven't proven development past four. Right? That's not a good parent. A good parent isn't just, well, I just love my kid. I give them everything they want. No. You hate your kid if you do that. The scripture says if we don't discipline our kids, we actually hate them. And so I, I don't want to hate my kids. And I don't necessarily, I don't like disciplining them either. But, you know, there's that conviction on the inside. You've got to follow it. And so the Lord is the same way. I do not want to have to have services where Mike and Shane have to drag bodies out. The board, there, there goes uh, Shane and Mike and the rest of the board, and they're all dragging out, you know. Don't go to that church, you might die. Only if you lie about your offering. Because <laughs> you want to look good, because Barnabas gave a lot too. You ever look at what offerings they were given and why they were giving them? They were selling possessions and giving them. Oh, I mean, you talk about faith. What did you do? Oh, we sold a piece of land. You sold your investment and gave it to the church. I haven't taught on that on offering yet because some people go, oh. They choke. If you the preacher's telling me to sell my land. No. No. The issue is, the issue is, yo, yeah, here's the other thing. They didn't get tax write-offs. In that day. See, we plot all, we do, we plot the and the, thank God we have what we have in this nation, right? But I mean, in that day, it wasn't like they could go to Caesar and go. Well, you know, we gave 20% to the church. He's like, give me my money or I'll kill you. That was their day. So what is that? That's another level of faith. I know people, I actually know, I know personally people that give and they don't tell the government because they don't want the tax write-off. They just want to give. <laughs> we'll still send out your... <laughs> All the things. All right, anyway. So we got to watch complaining. So what the Lord does is he gets down into our soul and he goes, see, you're conformed here, not transformed. Oh, yeah, I see that. Okay, Lord, let's get in there and let's deal with the pain here. 
that I'm going to feel, and let's transform the way I think here so that I can be in line with you because my number one goal here is to please you first. Now, there'll be a repercussion. There'll be a harvest. There'll be a, uh, um, a judgment that comes down on me if I do that from a heart of faith and obey the Lord, crucify my flesh, and obey Him in the Spirit, then there's a blessing that comes with that. Amen? I didn't earn the blessing because God supplied it, but I did walk in obedience to it, which opens the door for the Lord to be able to do what he already wants to do. Amen? And so it's, it's, it's a matter of that. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap from the Spirit everlasting life. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap from the flesh what? Corruption or death. Now that's an interesting thought because how can a saved person reap death? Because the manifestation is here not in eternity. Your salvation is secure because of your faith in Christ. You can't earn that by works, but there's a second half to salvation in the sense of in the present now. Amen? And so complaining opens the door to the destroyer, so we don't want to do this. Verse 11 says this in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, now all these things happened to them as examples. And he says this again, and they were written for our what? Admonition which the word admonition means warning with the idea of uh, like a prophetic utterance or a type to us. In other words, admonition is given, so the, the answer here is by way of example. These things were written by way of example. In other words, don't do this because if you do, you'll open your life to the destroyer. Amen. So let's just do this. Father, forgive me for complaining. I plead the blood and I receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. Okay? So, how many? I've been doing this through the week. Like, you know, I'll complain at things, like putting together the hand sanitizer dispensers. In the name of Jesus, you <laughs> One of them I had to rig because I broke it. I'll let you figure out which one. It'll be obvious. Yeah. Well, they might be turned off on the side. <coughs> they should work. I used them. My hands got really dry. It's like, yep, still works. <laughs> but that's something the Lord's been dealing with me about. Getting frustrated with the inanimate objects. Because the tendency then is to get frustrated with animate objects. <laughs> right? Can't do that. Now, this is an interesting balance because how many we all have areas in our in situations in our life that we have to deal with where we have to talk about things that are not necessarily just a blessing over the person. I mean, did Paul ever write in the scriptures about standards and about understanding where people were at and then correcting them? So now we get to walk the balance in every one of our areas if you're in leadership where you're assessing situations of people that are under you, whether it be a parent, a boss, whatever your situation is, or a leader here in ministry areas, and you get to assess where they're at, but do it without being bitter, staying in faith, walking in love, and not complaining about it. I'm like, Lord, seriously? And he's going, do you want to see my glory or not? 
Because my promise, Sean, to you is not automatic. You have to obey. Ooh, man, I, I don't know why that uh, thought is foreign to word of faith Pentecostal people. To charismatic, Bible-believing people. We have this idea somehow that's people, that has been developed uh, in an in a, in a, in a unbalanced way out of the Scripture that somehow God's in heaven just going, yeah, whatever, it don't matter. Here you go. And that's not true. It doesn't fit. It doesn't even fit with these passages. I have to throw this chapter out in order to believe that. There is a portion of God, obviously, where we didn't earn anything and Jesus died for us. But in the development in our relationship with him, spiritual maturity, he requires it. Not only does he require it, he empowered me to walk in it. So he's just placing a demand on what he put in me. I love this. Do you want to know why? Because... Even though it challenges us one year from now, if you do it, you'll go, man, I'm glad I did that. How many have done that before? You've, you worked out or you did something. Let's just make it simple. How many saved, started a savings account, consistently put something in it, and one year later you're like, that was a good idea. But at the time, your flesh is going, I want another coffee. Or I want to, you know what I mean? But years later, oh, I'm glad I did that. That was a sacrifice to my flesh, but it was an obedience to the Lord, and now look where I'm at. Spiritual growth is just like that. So if we eradicate complaining and fill up with thanksgiving and praise, not just on, in November and December, and not just resolutions in January... That's why you guys, you guys realize, you know that you notice this. I don't preach holidays very well. I stink at it. You want to know why? Because I think it's a joke a lot of times. You're going to focus on this thing that Lord said to praise him continually one time a year? Why don't we just build something into our lives? You know what I mean? And, and we're thankful all year round. If you need to have a big meal every week to be thankful, then go ahead and buy a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> It'll remind you. I don't care. <laughs> Why do I need the world or even the world's systems to tell me to do what the word already says to do? <clears throat> Amen? So these were written as examples to us. And um, we're to follow them. So Paul repeats that Israel's experiences serve as examples to believers and indeed were written down as warnings for us. He indicates that they are not merely stories about Israel that have no relevance for New Testament believers. That's Bob Yanyan's commentary. In other words, um, in, in other words, the Lord is saying, look, pay attention. This has relevance today. Stay away from these things because they'll hurt you. So every person that's involved in sexual immorality, what are they doing? They're hurting themselves. Come on, what did Paul say? Every other sin is what? Outside the body. But sexual sins are where? They're inside the body. Nobody wants to talk about that. 
We just want to talk about, you know, how much we love people that are in trouble. And if you love them, you'll tell them. Because it's going to, we talked about this before, but it's, it's the Lord put it to me this way, and it really helps me. I think it'll help you too if you continually think this way. Seeds never lie. You sow it, you water it, it'll grow, you'll eat the fruit. Amen? They never lie. So verse, verse number, uh, and that wasn't Bobby Endian's commentary. Sorry, that was Life in the Spirit New Testament commentary. But it says this, verse 12, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In other words, what are the things that will lead you and I to falling? Lust after evil things, idolatry, eating, drinking, and playing, sexual immorality, tempting or testing Christ, and complaining. If, if I live in those, I can't sit and think to myself, I'm going to stand anyway. Because I have to take heed to who? To who? Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest... So is it going to do me any good necessarily to sit and think about all the things that Heidi is falling in and not judging myself? It won't do any good. It won't do any good. I got to pay attention to me. And they go, okay, where am I at here? Where am I at? You know, people will hear the prosperity message and they'll turn it into an idol. And the prosperity message is true. Biblical finance, biblical blessing as far as finance goes is true to a dead person. And people say, well, how do I know how dead I am? When the Lord asks you to sell something that you really love and give the money to him. And then you'll decide, which one do you like? Which one do you want more? Ooh, you never get any running on that one. No shouting, rolling in the floor, you know. Ooh, I feel the anointing. <laughs> oh, I have a right to make fun of Pentecostals because I've done it all. <laughs> I felt like that was almost like, you know, that Captain Morgan commercial thing? Where, don't talk about alcohol in church. Okay, so the Holy Spirit ends this passage with a great truth and encouragement to us. We need to realize that there is the potential of falling if we do not keep our pursuit of God and we allow the world to lead us astray. I'm not saying we should focus on all our faults in the sense of just, oh, just become obsessed with it. What I'm saying is in relationship with the Lord, the Holy Spirit, if we have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians 5, he will always lead us away from the nature of the flesh. That's why I think some of the grace message that's been taught is so ironic to me that the guy who taught more about grace than anybody clearly states that if you're really following the Lord, you won't go deeper into fleshly desires. Well, you're putting me under law. No, I'm trying to save you from death. And that's what Paul was doing. If you don't believe me, read Romans 6. Paul says, since grace is abounded, shall we sin more? But yet, that's the message today. It doesn't matter what you do. Just go do it. You're under grace. Backwards. You're under grace, so you're empowered not to do what you did before. I'm empowered not to. Well, it doesn't feel that way. That's because your flesh and your fleshly mind is overly developed. And it needs to be, there's a reason why Paul says, crucify. 
Is crucify put a nice picture in your mind? Paul said, I present my body a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable. The word is service, but it's actually worship. Service is worship. That's what it is. When you serve, you worship God. Well, it doesn't feel like it. It actually does. That's why your flesh doesn't like to do it. Because it's worship. What is worship? Worship is sacrifice. What was worship in the Old Testament? Kill the thing and put it on the altar. Right? Well, I don't like that message. You'll like the results. You cannot obey. God is not going to sit in heaven and go, look at how they're serving down there. Let's just beat them to a pulp. As long as you keep your flesh under and you do what the Lord asks you to do, he will, he will heap blessing on you. He will. Because he knows your heart is first to him. Amen? So verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as was what? No, you just don't understand how, how, how strong the desire is. Oh, more grace. I love this. This is a fun message, isn't it? We're into some fun stuff right now. How many temptations have overtaken me that are special to me. I mean, you don't understand what level of addiction I had. You do not know the level. <laughs> but see, this, Christians do this all the time. They exalt the temptation and their enemy and diminish the power of God. Right? Because that's exactly, I mean, why do we avoid this verse? You know what I mean? We just don't know how big the problem is. Actually, it's common to man. You don't understand what level of sin they're in. Common to man. Do we need mind renewal here or what? I think we do. Greater and greater, right? Except such as, but God is what? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation, will also make what? That you may be able to, in other words, there is nothing that I am facing that God has not already provided a way of escape. And I can bear it. I don't like that verse. But we'll quote, we'll quote scriptures like, uh, I can do all things through Christ who, which includes dominating the desires and nature of my flesh. I have the power to do it. Now, thank God for his mercy and his grace and that he looks at us as far as uh, less about full action as wholeheartedness in the sense of I know there if we're progressing and we're growing and we're developing like we should there should be an outward manifestation of what's taking place on the inside right so all let's bring it all the way back to a natural thought here if children are are eating like they should sleeping like they should and being parented like they should they should be making changes and I should, as a parent, I should be able to look and go, oh, they've developed in this area. They've developed in this area. They've developed in this area. 
And we look at natural things like this and we go, yep, that's right, yep, that's right. And then the Lord gives us a scripture about a spiritual truth and we go, oh no, you just don't know how hard it is. That's unreadable. We can't understand those things. When Jesus looked at the religious leaders of his day, and I'm going to build a message on this. It'll hurt me and everybody else. (laughs) It'll hurt my flesh. He looked at the religious leaders of his day and he said, you read the clouds, you know the seasons, you know what the weather's going to be, and yet you don't recognize who's in front of you. In other words, you are not blind, you know better. And there is a whole group, there's a whole group, now I don't think it's the majority, but there is a portion of people that love to hang on to the lie that they don't see when they really do. Here's the thing, God knows if you see. I'm naked before the Lord, that's what the scripture says. You say, are you uncomfortable? I got over it. He sees it all anyway. So what about when you screw up? I run into the throne room. You saw that, didn't you? (laughs) So I say, yeah, I saw that. We didn't even take care of that. I shouldn't have done that. Yielded to the flesh, that was stupid. And he says, okay, I forgive you. I say, I plead the blood. (laughs) You know what I mean? I plead the blood. Lord, help me. I don't want to do that again. So God always provides a way of escape. So we see here, in addition, that we need to realize that we are empowered by God to overcome every temptation the enemy, the world, and our flesh can throw at us. There is a deception that the enemy is very good at using for years, I have heard and seen productive in the lives of believers. This, is, this lie or deception is that our situations are greater than our ability to overcome with God. If you listen to the enemy, you will end up believing that you are in a position that you can't get out of and God can't, and God put you there. That's the, that's the way the enemy twists this verse. Well, he didn't tempt you beyond what you were able Like God is handing out the temptation. You're missing it. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, you're in the earth, but I've given you ability over everything that the prince of the power of the air has in this earth to stop you from fulfilling what I've called you to do. Because I placed within you what? Come on, think with me. Think with me. He placed within us what? The same spirit that raised Christ from Now think about dead. Just don't think about dead like physically dead. Think all that Satan and hell had. (laughs) Right? So what are we doing here? Well, Paul had the perspective of revelation, which was what? I don't consider anything that's going on in this earth to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. In other words, that would irritate 99% of evangelical churches if they preached it. Because they think, well, you don't understand the level of my problem. I don't think we understand even near the persecution that Paul went through. You know, and if not all the lights are green on the way to church, we lose our salvation. (laughs) In other words, at every stoplight I stop at, I should be saying, praise the Lord. I shouldn't be going, there should be roundabouts here. No. (laughs) And then you get to the roundabout at the right time and traffic's coming and you still have to yield unless you're like some people who drive backwards in the roundabouts. How many have run into that? A few. I've literally seen some little old people 
<laughs> I thought, man, lady, you're going the wrong direction. Or get up to the roundabout and turn left. Woohoo! <laughs> In other words, we're not being tempted beyond God's ability within us. Amen. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able. In other words, you could say it this, we are new creations in Christ, and in this new creation was deposited all the needed power of God to overcome every temptation that we'll ever face on earth. If I'm not experiencing escape in an area, it is because I have not taken the time to discover God's way in the temptation. Amen. I'm not finding, I haven't found the way, because there's a way of escape, right? There's a way out. Well, it's difficult. Use your faith. Don't quit. Forget the things that are behind and keep, right? A way of escape means an exit. It's an egress. In the Greek, an egress. Ever heard of an egress window? Another, yeah, herbs like, yeah, I dug a few out. <laughs> the act of coming out or going out or it means becoming a parent. So in other words, the Lord's saying, I will make a parent to you the way out of complaining. And then I get a follow. Amen? Isn't that good? That's so good. I love it. The way of escape. And we'll talk about the way of escape next week. Father, we thank you for this service. We bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for today. Bless your people and teach them. We'll be doers and not hearers. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.